0: It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Church, I just want to encourage you. This past, like Pastor was
1: saying, past several weeks, I've been in conversations with so many young people, young families. I just want to encourage you, church, be kind to the people around you. You never know the deep burdens people are carrying. Sometimes we hear the prayer requests but most of the times, we don't know what the things that they have been carrying. People are facing hardships, worries, burdens, things going on in their family life that maybe they are not willing to share. So as you look at your sisters and brothers in this place, be the body of Christ. Extend love and grace. Be kind to people around you. We don't know the burdens they are carrying, but together, we can lock arms together and carry this burden together because God is doing the heavy lifting for us, but we as his children can carry one another, amen? Amen, amen, we serve a faithful God. Church, we went through the book of Job, an idea of suffering. It gave us a new insight into the character of God. God is in control in our hardship. God sees us when we cry out. God allows suffering. But through it all, when we trust in God, in suffering, God is glorified. We are honored, and the enemy is put to shame when we trust God, amen, in our suffering. Now, this series, we're not talking about suffering. We're moving to a subject in the book of Exodus that's very close to that. It's the idea of sovereignty, sovereignty. We are using the book of Exodus to express this theological truth that our God in heaven is sovereign. What does it mean to be sovereign? It means that God is under Everything in the universe is under God's control. Supreme authority belongs to God. But not only that, you'll notice that the word sovereign gives us the idea of monarchy. It gives us the idea of dominion. God is not only just in control, but he is king over the universe. That means that he not only knows what's going on, but he is intricately, intricately involved in the affairs of his kingdom. God is king. God has made his son, Jesus Christ, king of kings. And this triune God has everything under control. One title we need to give God more often is his majesty. His majesty. God not only is sovereign through his majestic works, but he is the author He writes the story. He is the author of our lives. God has carefully, with great attention, filled our stories. Sovereignly, with tension, suspense, beauty, and hope. It is his majesty's story, not ours. Sometimes we fail to remember God is the main character in the story of history. Not me and you. God is the main character. During the pandemic, our kids were at home. Many of you know, your kids were at home. They, were, they couldn't go to school. And so I did not want my kids to be bored. I did not want them to watch screens all day long. So I decided that we were going to do this one activity. Every afternoon, we would, we would make up a story together. And my kids decided that every single day we will add more and more and more to this story. We added characters and situations, ad- adversaries. It would all be geared towards their own interests. My son was uh, really into Legos, so I picked up a Lego piece. And on that first day, I said, we start here. And with this Lego piece, we weave together a story full of robots and monsters and spaceships, scary villains, amazing heroes. We created a great mission for all our protagonists to accomplish. Every day, we added more and more. We added that the world was in trouble, and we needed heroes. Of course, since I was the primary author, uh, I was the hero of the story. Please, no judgment. Uh, Sophia and JT, they were also characters. I even added my wife to the story. She made a cameo. She was a, some kind of beautiful scientist. Anyways, as the story began to play out, I'm talking about an eight to nine months every single day adding to the story. We created the most amazing story. Finally, when it was time to go back to school, the story came to an end. Even to this day, you can even ask JT. He asked if we can start all over again and retell that story. But I tell my son, it's gone. That was a part of the pandemic and we never wrote it down. It was just something we shared. And I asked him, why do you miss it? Why do you miss this story? He said, because it was such a big story. It was so amazing. I wanna be a part of that big story. And I asked him, what if I told you there was a bigger story than this one, a deeper story, more incredible than the the, the one that we told each other. What if there was a story that would never come to an end? Church, this is called history, his story. And his majesty is the grand author of billions of people's lives, intricately over time and space. God is writing the story of every single one of you here. I want you to know that makes you so important to God. He knows every paragraph of your story. I want you to know throughout this series how amazing our God is, how sovereign our God is, and the grand story that our God is telling. The main idea this morning is this. Your history, your history is a story written by the very divine hand of God. Because of that, you are so unique. And I want to prove this idea to you. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 5. Exodus chapter 1, verse 5. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Verse 8. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, He said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built Python and Ramses and store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruth- ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields, in all their harsh labor. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua. When you are helping Hebrew women give childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that it is a baby boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are more vigorous at giving birth. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became full of number, numerous. And because of the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then, verse 22, Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Church, this story illustrates the sovereignty of God two ways. First, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 5 through uh, five through 22, this whole chapter, it shows that God is in charge of our societal history. He's in charge of all of the moving pieces. And in chapter 2, we didn't read it, verse 1 through 10, God shows that not only is he in charge of societal history, that God is the Lord of our personal history, Amen. our personal history. Remember, your history is a story that has been written by the very hand of God. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning? Would you let your guard down? Just let your guard down and let the Spirit of God minister to you. I want your eyes to be fixed, not on me, but fixed on the author of your life story. If you do that this morning, your life will change. Amen? First, God is the Lord of our societal history. We see this starting in verse five. Dr. P.T. Subramanian did a beautiful job expositing the encounter at the burning bush. But like every amazing moment, there is a backstory to that amazing moment. Let's see what God was up to way before the burning bush. You see in verse five through seven, the text starts by reminding us that the Hebrew people, they are the children of Abraham, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph, they are living in a strange land. Egypt, what are they? They are minorities in a strange land. You see, God is in charge of the movements of people. This is a theological idea called modus dei. God is a moving God, but He also moves people around the world for His glory. Therefore, let me make a claim immigration is not an accident. It is not by your own willpower or your ingenuity that you decided to immigrate. This was all a part and designed by the hand of God. The life of the Hebrews, they were in a new land, not because they wanted to be there, because it was the plan of God. Joseph brought his family into Egypt as immigrants. His legendary leadership was known for generations. He blessed both Egyptians and Hebrews. Many might might not know this, but in 1965, A legislative act called the Hart-Celler Act, or some of you may know it as the Immigration Nationality Act of 1965, was enacted here in America. That law opened the borders of the United States in 1965. Educated English-speaking foreigners surged into the country. Indian nurses and doctors and engineers, they all came to America. The contours of the United States changed because of immigration. And guess who's in charge of immigration? Immigration. God himself we are still living in this country trying to figure out why did God move our people to this country here we are minorities in a strange land but we are part of a big story of God Moses didn't understand but way before he was born his people had to move to Egypt because it was a part of his story verse 8 through 10 now we notice not only are minorities but now a new king has arose over Egypt he came into power and guess what He did not care about Joseph. You notice there's a change in political party over Egypt. There's a change of political ideology over Egypt. Now there is tension on racial and ethnic lines. Now there arose suspicion between Egyptians and Hebrews, so a struggle began in the land. Again, this is all under the authority of God. Racial and ethnic tension does not surprise God. It may surprise us on the news, but it is part of the big story of God. It is the part of Moses' story, and it is a part of ours. Did you know that the term white in America originally was thought to be scientific? You know, in 1922, a man named Ozawa, he was a Japanese man. He wanted to become a citizen of the United States, so he went to the Supreme Court, and legislated the affair to become a citizen. The Supreme Court struck him down because he was not Caucasian. He was mongoloid. It was a matter of science, said the Supreme Court in 1922. So the very next year, guess who came to court? An Indian guy, of course. (laughs) 1923, an Indian man named Singh Thing. He was an Indian Sikh man. He decided to apply for citizenship. Why? Because Indians are scientifically Caucasian. But as the Supreme Court met, they decided that whiteness was more than scientific. It was preference. And because of an Indian man, a new racial category emerged in the United States called white, not based on science, but based on preference. Division and racial tension does not surprise God. Even in in Egypt, under the watchful care of God, he allows for such things to happen. Verse 10 through 14, the king of Egypt began to enact new policies against the Hebrews. He begins to subjugate the Hebrews for no apparent reason. What does the text say? He thought that we might go into war. He just had a suspicion. Guess what was put into place? A class system was now put in place in Egypt. Now there's a master's class and there's a slave class with such harsh treatment. But God was not surprised. God is sovereign, watching it all unfold. Even the dark parts of our social history, God is watching. Verse 12, as the Egyptians became more fierce in their persecution, guess what God did? God allowed the Hebrew people to thrive. They got stronger and stronger and multiplied under oppression. You see, how can a people become stronger? How can a people, become, how can a people multiply under harsh treatment? Is it because of their own ingenuity? Is it because of their own resilience? No, it is because God is in charge. Incredible brutality. Look at verse 22. At the very end of this passage, we see what Pharaoh decides to do. Through the politics of Pharaoh, he has now inflicted gendercide, ethnic cleansing upon the Hebrew people. He decreed that all Hebrew boys should be thrown into the Nile River. Again, questions begin to emerge. Is God sovereign? Why would he allow something this brutal to happen to his people? Oftentimes, we need to understand that God is writing a story much longer than even some of our lives. God is writing a story that we may never understand until we're on the other side. I know right now the politics of Pharaoh seems so strong. He seems so powerful, but God wants everyone to know God is king, not Pharaoh. God wants everyone to know he is majesty, not the royalty of Pharaoh, because this story is much longer than any of us know. Therefore, from the margins in verse 15 through 21, you see some young minority women living in Egypt and they stood against the powers of Egypt. The midwives, Shipra and Pua, they heard the decree but they defied Pharaoh. These young women did not kill the male children when told that they were supposed to. This reminds me of all the young Indian women that came in droves in the United States as registered nurses. My mom was one of them, leaving their families behind, leaving their land behind, leaving all that they knew to come to a new country. My mom was one of those single minority women knowing that future generations, future children would need to be cared for and protected by the moves that they made. I remember hearing stories of my mom growing uh, coming to America in Philadelphia in the 70s. It was the first time she ever saw snow. First time she ever had her bag stolen by thugs. She was being misunderstood in a foreign land. But all these women, all these people that immigrated, they stood here in strength. Why? Because they knew God was writing a story. They knew that the president wasn't writing a story. They knew that it wasn't someone back home writing the story, but it was God that was with you every step of the way here. Did you know that? God was figuring it out. I want you to know, church, the world will never lose complete control. I know that news wants to tell you that every single day, but, the God, but God, God is in charge. The world will never be out of control because our God is king. Amen? Amen. All these decisions, and this boy Moses, he hasn't even been born yet. All these decisions that he had no control over were happening way before he was born. Immigration, politics, racism, classism, injustice, defiance against injustice. All of these dark moments happening in the background. The boy has not even been born. We went through a pandemic full of turmoil. Everyone wants to tell you on the news, we're full of political turmoil, racial unrest. We had a pandemic plague that killed millions, and now we have a a war in Ukraine. But this is not new to God. God is still king. Our society's history is a story written by the hand of God. They were crying out for a deliverer. The Hebrews were crying out for a deliverer. But God had one on the way. Unseen, unborn, unnoticed by the world around them. Some of you are crying out now. You're in the middle of some suffering. You're wondering, does God see what's happening? I want you to know God has answered. Even unknown to you, unseen, unborn, unnoticed, the answer is on the way. You know, uh, this week we were getting all kinds of news reports. Um, It seems like the world is reeling out of control. Churches are closing. I don't know if you know this, how many churches are closing? Do you know how many ministers are leaving their their job? Under the age of 45, which I am, 65% of pastors are quitting ministry. Christianity Today article. You guys look at how many people are walking away from Jesus. You know how many megachurches are collapsing? You saw it on the news. Celebrity pastors caught in scandals. Everything is falling apart, but here we are in the margins of DFW, an unknown ethnic Indian church, no popular people, no celebrities. But God has been preserving us. God has been covering us quietly unseen unnoticed not known by anyone else God is working why do I believe that because there's a God writing our story with his very hand amen our communal story is written by God the second thing is this if you turn to chapter 2 and I know I'm running out of time we're introduced to a new Levite family. So they went from really big God over everything to now zooming in on one family. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1, in the midst of the chaos, we are introduced to a Levite family, a priestly tribe. You notice that the Levites, they are an unrealized priesthood at this moment. They've been given the authority of priesthood, but they're not living it out. God gives these two Levites a little baby boy, two brave parents. These parents defied the kingdom of Egypt. They stood against the commands of Pharaoh because they know this baby boy that God has given us is not dictated by the laws of Pharaoh, but he is protected by the very hand of God. These parents did not take the cues from the politics and the customs of Egypt. They were foreigners in a strange land and they made their decisions about themselves and their children on the will of God. Think of it, the audacity of this baby's mother. She takes the baby, creates a papyrus basket. Essentially, she made a mini ark and put her baby in it. This ark mimics the stories of the Hebrews. It remembers, they remember a man who built an ark named Noah. They knew the ark could save. And there she built an ark based on the stories of the Hebrew God and put their baby in it. She put that baby boy where? In the very place where his entire generation dies. The little baby floats on the Nile River. All around the ark are the baby's generations. Dead male Hebrew babies and toddlers. In the midst of death, gendercide, in the midst of ethnic cleansing, rides a beautiful baby of hope. I want you to know right now, all around us, society is crushing and destroying the lives of our little ones every day. We try to cover our children, we try to protect them, but we got to put them in denial. Why? Because we know our God is sovereign. Our God will watch over our children more than we can ever accomplish. I want you to know that you put your children under the very hand of God. The society around them will die, but the watchful hand of God will guide our children right through the Nile. Do we have confidence in this sovereign God this morning? That our history, our story is written by the very hand of God. Notice what happens next in verse 5 through 10. God brought together more women. I just want to honor women this morning. The real story, history, the real story belongs to women in these couple chapters. Now God brought together some women to conspire against the kingdom of Egypt. Unaware to Pharaoh, the baby's mother, this baby's sister, and the very daughter of Pharaoh come together to save this child how is this even possible how can Pharaoh's own daughter defy her father because there's an incredible truth here there's an incredible truth here regarding sovereignty it doesn't mean that God is just in control he is royalty more than Pharaoh so this daughter knows that there is a king above kings deep down in her heart she knows that The king is God himself. His majesty's story, not Pharaoh's. So this young Hebrew boy, watch this, was taken into the palace and raised underneath Pharaoh's very own eyes. The greatest ironic twist is this, church. God raised this Hebrew boy as one of the princes of Egypt. Instead of dying in the Nile, there Moses stood as a teenager overlooking the Nile. How is this even possible? How can a Hebrew boy, discriminated against, his people subjugated, his people marginalized, his generation killed? How can he become a prince of Egypt? How can he become Pharaoh's daughter? How is that possible? Because God is writing the story. I hope this morning this is giving you such great confidence. We are minorities in a strange land. We are minorities maybe discriminated against, subjugated against. We may feel like, man, me and my kids, I don't know how we're going to make our way out. But I want you to know that Pharaoh is not in charge of our story. It is the king of kings that is writing our story. God is up to something. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It is time for us to answer to a sovereign God. I hope this evokes worship in you that all across the way it is not the political parties in control of the country. God legislates the affairs of our country. He is working in the background. (laughs) <laughs> before Moses even became a great leader before even Moses even met God before Moses even had a burning bush experience before Moses even was even born God was working in the background this might surprise us but it doesn't surprise God so church let's move into a time of reflection the world's history your story would you just every head bowed every eyes closed the world's history your history your story Is written by the finger of God I want you to see God right now for who he is think big every policy every law every reason for immigration every decision all the racism every dark moment every single thing is being written by the hand of God there's a bigger story here there's a way bigger story here every moment no matter how big or small every moment in your life no matter how incredible or simple Every moment, no matter how dark or victorious, has been ordained by God. Do you trust Him? Church, do you trust Him this morning? He's always working in the background. He's the God of my past. He's the God of my present. He's the God of my future. And He's holding everything together because He is majesty. He is majesty. He's the same God, the God of Joseph, the God of Moses. He's the same God my grandparents, of my parents, and in my children. He is the same sovereign God. Do you trust him? Do you perceive his watchful care? Church, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship God. I want you to know with confidence this morning, our God is sovereign. Our God is majestic. And your story, your very story, is
0: written by the hand of Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.